Okay, welcome back everyone to episode 18 of the Popcorn Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Cresta. And this week we're going to be reviewing the film Don't Look Up. I have two very exciting guests on. Jake Bradbury and Nathan Lip. What's up? How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having us, man. This is yeah, no, man. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we can't wait to talk about it. But yeah, I was really lucky to get invited to a screening of this. And Nate, I saw that you also got a screening of this. Yes, um, I am a member of the Producers Guild, and uh, they had a an early screening, which was just awesome, awesome to see it. Uh, full disclosure, my, my brother-in-law is actually, um, he got a story by credit and uh, on a co-producer credit. So I actually sat with him, you know, him seeing his, his name on the screen, big screen for the first time, you know, ever. That, that was an awesome experience, just, you know, experience with somebody else. One day, one did, day. I, did I, you I, also, did you also, you and Leo, you got drinks afterwards and no. you were just. And and I was, I was hoping that that would happen. Oh yeah. But it did not. We did were Adam not McKay, Did Adam McKay come up to you and hug you and say, Nate, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, sadly, sadly, nothing like that happened. I just saw it at my local cinema. So you guys are way ahead of me going to premieres and stuff, but. Oh, no, um, no, don't. It was pretty good. About that. You guys have much more knowledge in the movie side of things than I do. I'm just a young kid. Ah, but your opinion don't still matters. Short. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I feel like this is uh, no way home right now. <laughs> <laughs> I did finally see that um, on yesterday, actually, which was. Excellent. I mean, there have been so many good movies that I have seen lately. I saw Red Rocket. I don't know if you guys have seen that. No, I have not seen it, but I did no, post Sean it on Baker. my podcast. Yes. Um, that He was just uh, at the Westfield Mall for LA people. That's, you know, in Century City. Um, and he and uh, Simon Rex actually were like in the audience and, you know, did their whole speech. That was a really cool experience. Just an amazing part of being in LA. You'd you don't have to be in the PGA to see these movies. Like you can meet the directors and act or see the directors and actors. I'm not meeting any of these people in any of the screenings that I go to, but you know, you can, you can do that if you're here because they're all here and they want publicity. You can literally just at them on Instagram and they're usually like, Hey, thank you. Or yeah, what's up? <laughs> yes. Yeah, That's see, the that weirdest is- part is that social media works that way. No, I mean, you could be anywhere. You could do that. Yeah, like I tried when I first started doing this, I tried to get I lay went through Instagram, found every blue check mark actor, and I sent them a DM. The same one just edited the <laughs> Oh wow. Didn't work, but no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, no, surprisingly, Nate, all the majority of my audience is actually from LA. That oh, comes that and listens to my show. It's, it's LA. It's a great title. It's, it's a great just, name. Oh, thank you. Yes. And no, I didn't even yeah. come up with it, so that's the even best part. No. <laughs> oh. Well, there you go. Yeah. So you want to ask us about the about the movie? Yeah. Did you guys? Let's get right into. Did you give it a score of a hundred? That's how I normally rank them on the podcast. But if you guys do it any other way, that's Ooh, fine. I hadn't thought about it. Jake, go first. Yeah, one out of a hundred. <laughs> is that what the scale yeah, is? Yes, one out of a hundred. Hmm. I would give it a solid B plus. So like an eighty-seven, something like that. I really enjoyed myself. I thought it was. I thought it was fun. I thought it delivered on the premise. Uh, I knew what I was getting into with an Adam McKay movie. I knew it was going to be sly and funny and witty and also have a heart to it because he's done, you know, 
a bunch of other films in the same way, where he tackles really serious issues in a comical way, in an easily digestible way. So uh, I was, I chuckled to myself, I squirmed in my seat, and uh, I was ultimately satisfied with the movie. I thought like it had a good image. So, so 85, 86, 85 to 87. All right. That's a perfect score. I am once again, like a little, uh, nepotism is involved here, but I was honestly feeling like this was in the nineties. And this is also partly because I like comedy films and, you know, to my tastes, like this is the kind of film that I, I just want to exist out in the world that actually like made me feel something um, aside from comedy. It made me like want to get an electric car, which I do not have. Um, it wanted me to, you know, it made me want to like make it a difference won't help. in the world. You know? Whatever you to, do won't help. That's what the whole movie was about. I think the whole movie was about like, we just need to take it seriously. We need to listen to scientists. And like I said, it just, it had an effect on me beyond like, yeah, that was fun. And then move on with my life. That, that changed my behavior. And I think that's really when a film can be elevated into, into cinema, I guess. Yeah, no, I would, I would have to agree with both of you because I put it, I put it right in 84 and I, in 84 to me is like a really high score. Not many films make it into the nineties in my opinion, mm-hmm. but I truly loved it. Like as soon as they announced the trailer, the first show, the teaser that came out and everything, I was super excited to watch it. And I got to agree with both of you a little bit. It showed like, maybe we can't stop what's coming, but at the same time we have to listen to everyone. Maybe there is something we can make a change. Like, it made me feel completely differently about how I do things. Like using my 2007 Jeep, that's probably not the best for the environment. Getting an electric car, maybe <laughs> mm. some solar panels, if I could afford it. But um, no, I really. I have, a, I have a rather cynical view about all of that. I don't think an individual can make any difference whatsoever. I think it's up to the big corporations to uh, reduce their carbon footprint. Um, that's it. As an individual, you can make community action. You can, you know, you can contribute to a community garden. You can um, try and make it better for the immediate people around you and maybe yourself and make you feel better. But really, you getting an electric car or recycling more or shopping organic is not going to make any sort of difference. And I would say we're almost to a point where it doesn't really matter that we're past the point of, man, I'm being really cynical on your podcast. I'm sorry. We're really past. No, no, I, I love it, man. I love it. Trust me. We're past. Not, I've had past it. We're already I wholly past disagree. Yeah. If there was nothing, if there was nothing that we could do about it, then I don't think scientists would be telling us to stop doing this. They would just throw their hands up. No, you can you can mitigate the damage, <laughs> right? But you can't stop what's coming. It's already past. You know, we're if the. If the Earth were to, to to go up by a few degrees, there will be so many um, places underwater. There will be mass migration. There will be uh, resource scarcity. That stuff is all going to happen, no matter what. What scientists totally. are talking about now, what scientists are talking about now, is mitigating that. So, if even if we change completely, change overnight, right? And there's less carbon in emissions, and everything is changed, we're still going to experience that in a really bad level. They're just trying to predict how bad it it actually be. If we change enough. 
it'll be a little less bad, but it's still going to sure. be awful. So let's do that. I agree. I mean, I agree, but here's... also why? <laughs> because but also like, why? I, don't, I don't want future generations to go through to for them to just die out in mass, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but we, we, like, you know, is it really going to be our problem at that point? I want to like eat my Big Macs and drive my big SUV. Um, I now. believe that corporations uh, don't change because they feel something. They change because consumer behavior changes. I agree so with that. If we do different things, if we're buying different things, if we're, if I buy an electric car that might convince the next person to buy an electric car or buy an electric bike or something like that. And I post about it on Instagram. I'm at least changing my own nearby ecosystem, my own uh, local economy. And that's Your doing something. Echo which, chamber. I think is, which is better than nothing. Your own. And I agree with you, Nate. I agree with you. But we both have to understand that you doing something and talking to your echo chamber is just that. It, it makes you feel better while the ship is going down, but it doesn't really impact anything. And this, yes, I know, I'm again, I have this, such a cynical view, and maybe it's just my view, but man, unless you want to dedicate your life to getting corporate change done, you know, you, you going shopping at Whole Foods, you know, and not, not getting a plastic bag is, is just not going to make the difference that um, will save anybody in the future. Oh, no. See, those Trader Joe's reusable bags are going to make the whole difference. all right well we should talk about the movie not the movie yeah not the planet and first of all i loved mark rylance's performance as the jeff bezos (laughs) oh it was incredible i loved it i was late the same thing i i want to know that if he came in fully formed with that that character or if it was something that that the director and him worked on for a while because i was blown away it was one of the funniest parts of the movie in the Q and A that I saw, um, it was something that like he kind of auditioned for Adam McKay, and it certainly did like grow and change a little bit. But um, all the actors were saying on the stage that like Mark Rylance behaved like that the entire time they were shooting the movie. Oh my god! Yes, that was <laughs> probably it. Has to be my favorite performance of the movie. But I did think all everyone that was in the movie did a really. I think everyone did a really great job. Amazing. Agreed. Agreed. Amazing. Every actor and the writing. I loved it. Yo, I think yeah. all the jokes landed. Everything. I think they did a great job. They really I mean, did. And I, I just learned that uh, Adam McKay worked with uh, um, Leonardo uh, DiCaprio for six months before he signed on to the project. We, on the script. They were like going back and forth. And then he oh, finally really? agreed to sign on. Yeah. And then he wrote the part for Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence's character, they specifically wrote it for her. Jennifer Lawrence was great. I I loved her. Amazing. I've also had a crush on Jennifer Lawrence since I was like 10. <laughs> oh, well. Besides the point. Yeah. She, she's a beautiful woman. She no really doubt. is. She really is. Even with the red hair and the fake nose rings. I, uh, <laughs> I personally don't get it. But that's just, oh, again, my, okay. my opinion. No, it's fine. <laughs> so it's <sorry>. fine. <laughs> My um, Katniss Everdeen just got crushed. It's fine. <laughs> what was the what line, I, Jonah Hill? Like, uh, oh, listen, boy with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> oh God, I left that. I think Jonah, yeah, I think Jonah Hill had free reign to do his best improv 
in those scenes with Jennifer Lawrence. And I even, I think I read an article about how uh, Jennifer Lawrence got high before one of the scenes because her character <laughs> gets high all the time. And that they knew the actors then figured it out that she was high and she wasn't supposed to have many lines. And so they were just ragging on her. And so she, some of those improv scenes came from her, the other actors knowing that she was high. Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill. Oh, no, I feel like that whole scene in the Oval Office, the first time they all go in. Yeah. Had, it was probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Just Jonah Hill ripping on them. And Oh, my God. All the cutaways to, like, the photos of uh, the president, Meryl Streep, and, like... Random people. Famous random people. people. Her with Bill Clinton. <laughs> the dude... Uh, the dude. Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah. Jonah Hill and Meryl Streep, and them working off each other, too, being father and son. I don't know if you caught some of this stuff, but he was like, my mom is a smoke show, and, you know, if she wasn't my mom, you know, I'd probably <laughs> date her. Oh, and that's, like, no. a direct... That's a direct quote from Donald Trump. You know about his his daughter, his daughter Ivanka. Daughter. Yeah. No, I thought every time he brought up how hot Meryl Streep was, I could not <laughs> stop laughing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and did you guys uh, read that part about him calling her the goat? But Meryl Streep had no idea what they meant. Oh, that's no, funny. No, no, I missed that. He had been greatest calling of all her time. That, and she was like, "Yeah, Jonah Hill just keeps calling me a goat," and like was saying this on like press tours. And Jonah Hill's like, "No, no, no." Meryl, it means like greatest of all time. I'm not calling you a goat. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is funny. That's no, a generation I, I gap right there. I mean, come on. She's she can do anything. I believe Literally her anything. in anything. Devil's pro, devil wears Prada. She can do anything. Perfect. Yeah, all of it. All of it. And and Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry as the morning show hosts were incredible. They're sort of vapid. Uh, morning talk show host uh, happy spin on everything was pitch perfect. I feel like that was the the a re a real re- morning show like a real morning show that I was watching where they're all just so happy you know and and they don't they have they know the barest minimum of anything and they have experts on quote unquote and the experts are have to be TV ready or they're just like kicked off they got to look good. You know, their people got to make them look good. And the the change of Leonardo DiCaprio's character from this like nebbish little uh, scientist to a radio personality or sorry, to a TV personality was a, a masterstroke on um, of the movie. Yeah, no, I it really felt like I was watching Kelly and Ryan, anything mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> Kelly and Ryan, we'll go Kelly and Ryan or Kelly sure. and Michael when it was that. Mm-hmm. And no, I loved Leo's transformation throughout the movie, even though I did hate him like halfway through the movie. I, oh, yeah. I was. You're, I did not you're like supposed him. to. I know. But that was, that's how good the writing was and the acting was. Yes. Like, yeah. So into it. I was like, I love you, Leo. But right now, I just want to rip your head off. Like you're- I mean, I, I really agreed. I really loved how they made him a villain, you know, just being kind of a crappy person. Um, I also liked the way they sort of handled the scientists like screaming, like, sorry, I made some noise there. Uh, just like screaming, like, we're all going to die, which honestly, like, is not helping anyone. Like, that's a bad way to handle your message. And so it wasn't just like making one side, you know, the villain and one side, the hero. You you just, you had flaws on both sides. You got to see how, like, scientists have not handled things properly, but so has, has everyone else. Yeah, and how 
the littlest things. Like they were talking about how the world's going to end, but all everyone could care about was Ariana Grande's character's relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they were telling I mean, the world's going to end, but oh, there's this famous music musical couple. That's the that's what we have to all have to worry about. Of course, and then the, at the core of the movie is the political movement, right? Where the title comes from, "Don't Look Up," where Meryl Streep is. I'm assuming Republican uh, candidate for president, or she's rather the president, Republican president. And she starts a campaign, uh, don't look up, and people start chanting it, and they, they are not looking up at the asteroid that literally is bearing down on them. The only, the only miss, um, sort of miss of the movie that I thought wasn't realistic was that they actually do look up, and he's like, sees it, and then they start throwing stuff at Jonah Hill and Meryl Streep's characters because they've been duped. Right, the followers of of Meryl Streep's presidency. Um, I don't think that would happen. I think that they would go to the bitter end, uh, denying that the asteroid was actually going to hit Earth. You know, I agree. I feel like they were willing to die on that hill. Oh yeah, they were like, oh, yeah. this asteroid's not. This asteroid won't happen. Nothing's going to happen. We're all going to be fine. <laughs> Very it's, opposite it's a, of how you were acting earlier, Jake. <laughs> yeah, it's about. It's about. <laughs> right, I, but I was proving a point. I was proving a point that like. Can't we all just not like forget about it and just drive in our SUVs and eat our our Big Macs and not worry about it? But the other part of that is that everything is politicized now. There is no truth anymore, right? There is no objective truth. Scientists have objective truth, but even they are like hesitant to say 100%, right? And without these uh, easy to swallow, uh, th- there's no room for nuance, basically. You can't, you have to be 100% sure or you can, or you're not sure at all. So politicizing a movement like, um, you know, like uh, COVID, that that is nothing. Nothing is objectively true anymore. It's just your political opinion. It's only opinion. Um, it's do I believe in this asteroid or do not? Do I not believe in this asteroid? And we basically saw how humanity dealt with a thing that affects us all, and uh, it's not well. They don't do. It, they don't deal with it well. Oh no! What I want it was awful. I do Terrible. like that they uh, repeatedly use the phrase peer review, which is something right. that I, d- I don't think people know enough about, uh, you know, especially like, you know, when, um, what was the company bash when they were like making their oh, own yeah. rockets and stuff, they were kicking out scientists who wanted to peer review. And at least Leo's character was saying like, this is how we know things are most correct that a lot of people are checking your work mm-hmm. and that's just something that like people don't recognize or care about anymore. When somebody's right. saying like this uh, vaccine works, why? Because a ton of really smart people have looked it over right. when someone in middle America who is not a doctor is just like, well, I believe this. I love that they well, kept bashing. How do you argue against that? They kept bashing Michigan State, and they're like, oh, we're going to get our own scientists to look at that this. That was really funny. Oh, no, I was super into that. I hate Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> I was super into that part. Just that That's also like just really taking a shot at like liberal elites who are people who only want to listen to somebody who went to Princeton or Harvard or something like that or disregarding what middle Sorry America. Sorry about that. Hold on, hold on. I got a garage door going up you can still talk i just yeah it's just that's that's disregarding what you know middle middle america is filled with 
tons of very smart people who just don't happen to live on the East Coast or the West Coast. They're smart, very valid scientists who are contributing a lot. And that was that was a good statement that was made over and over and over again. I, I also think that they were talking about in this movie kind of how seductive power and uh, prestige is. Um, just through Leonardo DiCaprio's character of, you know, being married and having kids, but then suddenly being thrust to the limelight and being recognized for that. He was seduced by that, the show, basically, by being being part of the, the circus and um, distracted from his morals and obligations. I, I think that's a really interesting take on uh, on what fame does to you. Sorry. No, I, <laughs> it's fine. You normally hear my dogs. It's fine. We, it's always something new. But um, going off what you just said, Jake, I loved the scene when after the interview and everything, he's at his home again and he's just scrolling through Twitter. He's answering all yeah. the hecklers, everyone, and he he's falling into that. I don't know how to troll work. trap. Yeah, troll yeah, trap. That's it's a, a trap. Great way to explain it. And um, yeah, what do you guys think of uh, Ariana Grande? Loved I her. Loved I have... that song. Like I just thought that was so funny when she's like singing in her own like sort of vocal style. Like we've got to get our head out of our asses. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like I was. I just started dying during all of those uh those lyrics and i'm i'm so curious um who who wrote those lyrics i'm wondering if that's adam mckay or if that ariana grande had anything to do with it it's got to be ariana grande she has a sense of humor man she was on that show um what is it degrassi yeah and no no not degrassi she was on uh, you're of a new generation you you tell us whoa i'm not that old i'm not that young (laughs) <laughs> First off, she was on Victorious and she was on uh, Sam and Cat. They were two shows when I was growing up. But it was comedy, right? Yeah, she was funny on both, right? yeah, yeah, both yeah. of them. No, but she was can, very funny. Can she write those lyrics for this particular movie? Yes. I would bet, I would I bet think, Adam. Uh, yes. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say her and Adam lyrics. McKay worked on together. Yes, yes. Let's look it up right now. Someone look it up. I swear, I, my bet is she wrote those lyrics herself. Are you Your too bet busy is it was to Adam look it up? Are you closing a garage door? Uh, well, my mom is is uh, asking me if I need to go eat some more soup. But do you need, um, do you need any chicken soup? <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, I'm too distracted to do it at the moment. <laughs> the song is written anyway, by Ariana thought, Grande. Hey, I told like, you, dog. Alongside yeah. of Nicholas Bertel, Scott Muscuti, and Tara Latrice Stinson. Okay, so but yeah, Scott, Scott Muscuti. Uh, is like Kid Cudi. I did not realize that until like. Oh, I did not know that either. Wow, I'm yeah. going to get ripped. They both wrote it together, of course. But Ariana wrote her own lyrics. I imagine. I, so Maybe that's that's, that's where I'm arguing. I would bet that Adam probably wrote the lyrics because he knows the movie. It just said written by. He just said. But like she just probably wrote all the melodies, and that's why it works so well. Is like she made it into what sounds like an Ariana Grande song. Like it felt mm. real. It felt, yeah, I mean, it felt yes. like it existed in the world. That's why I think I think Ariana Grande might have wrote the lyrics, but I feel like Adam McKay was like, hey, I need you to hit these points for this yeah, song. Yeah, he yeah. needs to hit this, Possible. this, this, and this. Possible. I, uh, I Overall, I really enjoyed it. I, I don't think we needed the extra scene at the end with Jonah Hill surviving, uh, being the last man on Earth. 
Wait, um, oh my god, I did I miss that, that? Oh, you missed, there was an end yeah, credit scene. Yeah, you missed my it. God, I assumed there it was. I was like, there's no end credit scene. This is a Marvel, and I left. <laughs> oh my, I Oops. am so angry now. I did this Oops. with Shang-Chi. God. Uh, oh, well, man. That, 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 revealed, that revealed absolutely nothing. That was not. It really didn't. No. I'm did you so, guys? Oh, can, I'm sorry, I, can I propose a question? Yeah. So I'm very curious about like, so Shang-Chi. I'm not going to marry you. No, no, no. There was, there was the big controversy with Shang-Chi was that um, Sima Lu, the star of it, in a past interview had criticized the Chinese government. So that movie never went to China. Like it was that successful that it never went to China. It still made a ton of cash. But I'm just wondering, they didn't imply that uh, Shang-Chi is going to be in any of the future movies. And I'm wondering if that's the reason why is that it never made it to China and they mm. don't want to like, you know, future Avengers movies not getting into China. Yeah. Cause they didn't show uh, Eternals didn't go into China either, but they did just announce the, Sh- the Shang-Chi sequel got announced like two days ago now. I mean, oh, that cool. will be successful, but like he may not be folded into the rest of the universe because of that. I, I yeah, see, I agree with that, but I really hope he is because I really did enjoy. I was not expecting to enjoy the movie as much as I end up doing. Yes, I've actually watched that a couple. Like Jake and I saw it, saw it together in theaters, and then uh, I watched it again at home because, like, ultimately that was a very fun movie. Like it had its flaws. You know, Aquafina did not need to be there for most of that. I mean, I enjoyed her being <laughs> there, but it was just like. Every every other scene was like, well, we need somebody to drive. That's that's going to be the reason why Aquafina. Yeah, is she here. can drive um, really crazily. Let's let her be in the movie. Yeah. Was was Aquafina in Don't Look Up? I'm trying to I'm trying oh, to remember. Sorry, sorry, we'll get back to Don't Look Up. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I, I got sidetracked as well. Okay, but I Any... I haven't I haven't discussed that China thing with with anybody, and I'm just like, uh, just so curious if that character will come back. Anyway, back to Don't Look Up. Tommy, take it away. Okay, so we've hit a lot of points. Now, I'm going to go into a couple things that I didn't – there was not many things I didn't like in the movie as I gave it a pretty high score to my list. But I did feel like there was two unnecessary scenes throughout the entire movie. First, I didn't really like going into the future. I, that could just be me. And I didn't like seeing the orgy when they were scanning over the city. But I know it's like probably more of an Adam McKay thing, but it just didn't didn't ma- fit, sit well with me. But that's just two. That's the only two things I have against this entire movie. Well, I didn't, Tom, I didn't Tommy, catch the orgy until the second viewing. Tommy, what would you do at the end of the world? Orgy? Go see my family. See yeah, my right. Puppies. You would do what? What basically Leonardo DiCaprio did? Yeah, you that's go, what I feel like I would do. You go to the grocery store. You cook dinner. You talk about anything but the impending doom. Um, yeah, I feel like, I hope that's what, that's what most people would do, but you would hope, but some people are going to get crazy. Not everybody has family that they like. That is, that's true. Trust me. I know exactly how that feels, but, uh, that was a really impactful moment. Jake and I talked about this after we saw the movie where he says, we really had everything, didn't we? Yeah. That, that hit me deep in my heart. Where it's you know I'm I'm one of the very few lucky people I'm married to someone I care about deeply I love her family my family is pretty incredible we you know are pretty close and ultimately like to have that is is to have so much everything else is just I think ultimately that was the message it was familial love was the 
was the message. At the end of the world, what do what do you really lie on? Who is the most satisfied? And it's usually the people who have really strong familial ties. And you know, you contrast that with the hosts of the Rip, just sitting right. in a bar and getting drunk and talking shit. Like that seems like just such a they live sad their best life. Moment. But like ultimately, like that's a sad ending where you know. Right. The family sitting together, holding hands, that felt sort of okay as, you know, the entire well, house. It was an ending. But yeah, no, the other thing is we, we really tried was the other line, right? We yeah. really had everything and then we really tried. And I think, um, I mean, that's the ultimate message of the movie is like, you, you know, you still have to try. Even if it's hopeless, you still have to try. Just going against what you said before. I was playing devil's advocate, which is not a, it's a bad habit of mine, but you know, but no, I do, I do definitely agree. Cause even though the movie is very funny, like that whole dinner sequence to at the end of the film was really heartwarming. Like yeah, it was really powerful, it was sad, like to watch, like you could tell them all getting more and more nervous when the lights started to flicker, everything started rumbling. It was, it was probably one of my fa- favorite scenes throughout the film. Cause it yeah. was really heartwarming. Cause that's how I, I imagine myself, that's how I feel like it would go with my family. We would all be sitting at the table together just one last time. Yeah. I actually really like, go ahead. uh, One of my favorite things was the recurring joke of the general making them pay for the snacks. Snacks. Oh God. I just kept forgetting about it and then they would bring it up again and it would just get me every time. When they're laying in the office that they're locked in and she's like, I just don't get it. (laughs) General. I want to know. I want to know where that joke came from. Was it written, or was it like something an actor did, or you know what I mean? Because I, I, when when did they come up with that? You mean right? When did they come up with it? Was it something he just did, or it had to be written? It had to be written because it's such a, it's such a good joke. It's such a good uh, like setup for the whole, the whole movie. The absurdity of the whole movie. There were so many good callback jokes yeah. like in this movie, like especially the uh, – and this is actually something I don't like about the film, but the uh, saying Meryl Streep was going to die by a Bronta rock. Yeah. Like when they revealed that like she – you know, she gets eaten by this alien creature and it, Mark Rylance is like, I believe that's called a Bronta rock. <laughs> that, that line did Killed make me. me laugh as much Killed as I'm against the scene of st- Mark Rylance. Anything he said was so funny. Except for that scene with Leo and Meryl Streep in the the, in the air, hangar, the hangar. Thank yeah. you. That was his big scene. That was that scene was intense. Like it was very creepy because then it made me think about any time that you like say something to your friends and then you go on like TikTok or Instagram or and Twitter and it shows up in your feed and you're like, okay, everyone's listening to me. Yep. And that was an exact. We've already given all of our information over to the algorithm. It knows it knows me better than probably my family does, you know, in terms of like advertising to me. Yeah, no, your, I the other your day, family I, is terrible at advertising. Yeah, they're <laughs> really bad notoriously. at it. Notoriously, I mean, well, think about it. Christmas is coming up. What are they going to get me? A sweater? No, like the algorithm Not. would know what I would really want, like a PS5 or something. You know what I mean? So if you have the the bash phone, it'll just get it for you. Exactly. Jake, you're not getting a PS5. I'm sorry. Dang it, man! Just, that's not Dang happening. it! Just bought a song. <laughs> it just bought another one. It bought merch and tickets to the next show. I, I, know. I know, or it downloaded this music. I didn't even download it. Yeah, 
That was right. real, by the way. When that whole you, do you remember the U two album that was downloaded to every iPod? <laughs> yeah, without yeah, her permission, you and you couldn't get rid of it. I was That's like, insane. I don't want to. No, I, I literally was just like, I, I don't hate U two, but I just didn't want to look at it, and it was like coming up in like random. It came on your uh, shuffle. And it oh, shuffles, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, this isn't cool. Like, I just, I don't want to f- no, listen. You to don't have a choice. Yeah, you don't have a choice. <laughs> so basically, it's a it's a big circus. All this stuff is distracting towards the real issue, which is that our planet is going to die if we don't do anything about it. And you know, try and do something about it. You know, try and do something about it. It's interesting at the uh, Q and A that I saw. Leonardo DiCaprio like made it very clear that he thinks humanity is going to die out. Yes. Um, Such Adam a happy McKay guy. is also uh, is, is sorry has a very positive outlook on it. He thinks we're huh. going to figure it out. I I guess I am the positive one here. I think we're going to sort things out. I think a lot of people are going to die. Sadly, I, I side with Leo, but again, <laughs> we're living I'm in the be best. right in the middle. I'm going to take. You know, we're the eventually Earth- die out, but. The early 2000s was like the best time in the in poor, ever. Poor Tommy is just stuck between two close friends who are just giving each other shit. <laughs> no, this is great. I love it. We are this we is are all day though. We've already oh, no, gone the past the friend. best time in the world. And even now, even agreed, now we are agreed. literally despite a global pandemic, we are living in the best possible time right now. It'll only get worse. You know, we we're seeing we're seeing natural disasters on a scale we've never seen in history before. You know, we're seeing tornadoes that are lasting longer and getting bigger than we've ever seen before. Hurricanes, um, flooding, uh, earthquakes will come. I'm sure fires. I mean, California's on fire like six months out of the year. Uh, you know, <laughs> how can you not be cynical about it? I don't. I don't. And I just don't understand. Like, we are all going to die. It's just a matter of how much time and and how much we can, uh, you know, how many, how few of us can survive, or how many of us can survive. That that's that's really what it is at this stage. Yeah. So, uh, but luckily, you know. none of us are going to have to really deal with it. Like we will. Like it'll be shitty, or like, ah oh man, Netflix isn't working fast because like like a bunch of satellites blew up or whatever the fuck, you know, uh, whatever the bleep. Um, but we're like, our lives are not going to be that impacted. Unfortunately, it's going to be two, two, three generations more. And they're, they're literally going to be having to kill each other for resources. So I think there are going to be, I mean, what, there was an interesting show on Hulu with uh, David Chang, where they talked about the future of food and they kind of talked about this, how like resources will get rare and, we'll just be eating different things. Like there are, there's so much that science can do to solve this problem. Like, you know, seaweed, for example, is like something that grows better, faster, bigger than anything else. And people can live on that. Probably like cow meat. That's going to be like something that only the rich get at some point, but we can grow this stuff in labs. We can create plant-based things that, Costs significantly less. Use so much less resources. The taste pretty freaking close, and they're going to continue to get better as time goes on. So, I do think there is a way we can engineer our way out of this. It's just going to be like, hopefully, we have air. That would be an important <laughs> one. Um, and as Jake is saying, like, what what is going to be the thing that 
no one's really talking about is is going to be a migration of people. You know, people who live in Bangladesh or Miami, um, you know, any, any part of Florida. Move, I mean, you're going to have to move north to somewhere else and like resetting, um, you know, resources and, you know, the stress that's going to put on those local environments. Those are the things that we're going to have to deal with. It's going to cost us a lot of money. But once again, this is an engineering problem, I think. I'm glad you were optimistic. I'll, I'll be optimistic enough for everybody here. Great. I love how I'm right in the middle between both of you. I agree with both sides. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a debate just listening to each side of you. It's great. But no, I... Oh, can I go back? Um, we were talking about criticisms of the movie. My one criticism of the movie was... And I have one more. I can't remember what it is. But if um, Bash Cellular could go as far as to see that uh, Meryl Streep's character was going to die by an alien creature that has not yet been documented. I think that that same algorithm could be used to find out that they were going to fuck up the satellites and they were going to screw everything. That up. is a good point. Yeah. They could have, you feel like they could have saw that coming. Like, Oh, we're going to lose so many of these things. and It's not going to work. Right. Like yes. why are why are the majority of our customers dying from an asteroid or a tidal wave? <laughs> or you know right. they like would have figured that out. If they can see that off world in the future, like they mm. can see that an asteroid is coming. I agree with you. I don't think it was worth the joke, honestly. Wait. Going back to what you just said, couldn't they have all seen like when Bash was first starting, like, oh, there's an asteroid coming. Like it keeps saying all these people are gonna die from an asteroid. Right. Or, like it maybe should... that was the thing you couldn't see. Maybe I'm... it's so it's so random and it's so mathematically uh, impossible. I I just I agree with you, Jake, earlier where it's like I don't think that makes enough sense that like they needed to keep that joke. Yeah, agree. If they literally would have just taken out that Bronto Rock joke, then that would have made sense. Right. Overall, good movie. Uh, not great. Again, B B plus. Um, yeah, go see it if you like Adam McKay movies. That's what I would say. Yeah, it's it's a challenging film for everybody watching. Like, uh, do we do we? Well, I guess we've said the ending. Like everybody dies. Like that's honestly not a film. Uh, that's not something that you do in a film if you want everybody to finish seeing the film and then go off and tell everybody to go watch this thing. And it was kind of an interesting thing. I, I saw in an interview with Adam McKay where he was saying a lot of people believe that we can engineer our way out of this stuff because we see so many movies where it's like an asteroid is coming to earth and then we figure it out. We, we fight it off. Send some oil like, drillers. Yeah, exactly. Right, like, Nate. But but listen, we've as a human as as humanity have just now faced one of humanity's great challenges, right? Something that affects every single person on this planet, and we failed utterly because of our differences and because of political problems. That we've already done it, and we failed. So if an asteroid was coming towards us. It would be politicized. 
This is what the whole movie's about. Well, and it would be like the, the point divided. of what he was saying was that like it's because of the stories that we tell ourselves that always have the happy ending, we always overcome that type of thing. That was the reason why he made it such a dark ending. Because he felt like yeah. we need to tell each other those stories where it doesn't right. work out in the end. Right. Like we need to wake up a little bit. Agree. And understand that like this could be really, really bad. I mean, it is right. going to be bad. <laughs> and it's so interesting kind of as you were talking uh, to me after, after the film that, yeah, so much of this felt so relevant to COVID and that was not their intent, their original intention at all. No, this is all about climate change. But it, it's 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 a similar thing in the sense that it's a, something that will affect all of humanity, and unfortunately, we will be divided. We are divided about environmental change, and it has been politicized. And like a you know anything that'll end the world or end humanity as we know it, unfortunately, will be the same way. We we've we've done it. And we failed. We already proved the model of our failure. So um, just hold your loved ones tight. Uh, eat that Big Mac. Drive that SUV. Uh, you know, do whatever you can to make you feel good while you're here on Earth because our time is short and limited. I personally don't feel like it's that black and white. Okay. We did not handle COVID well. But we did get a vaccine. <laughs> We did get a vaccine out there and like a lot of people have been saved because of like the work that we did. Like if you compare this to like for now, uh, well, no, if you compare this to even with uh, Omicron, people are vaccinated. Science has moved way, way further than it was with the Spanish flu, which that killed like it was some crazy like uh, 10 digit percentages of Europe when that happened. That's when we just didn't have the ability to fight it. We we fought it, you know. We're we've lost too many lives, but ultimately, like we we're doing something about it. And as Omicron is coming, we have vaccines. We have a pill that hopefully should be coming out soon that will actually keep us from actually uh, getting super sick and you know keep us out of the hospital. So there is hope. We just have to keep on keeping on and hope that people get vaccinated more so we don't overwhelm hospitals okay <laughs> Tommy, that was a really sorry. dark part of my episode <laughs> i'm sorry tommy <laughs> i can't wait for everyone to be so happy and then yeah this just here's the good, this was a here's dark the good thing this was a, it was thing. a very dark movie it wasn't like a which i which i was happy to see i was happy not that i was happy that everyone died in the movie but i was happy to see them not make it a happy ending like that bad things happen in this world and that's what we need to start showing more of. Here's the beautiful thing is that we are still happy and healthy. We're able to see movies. We're able to talk on this podcast and we're part of entertainment. We're entertaining ourselves, but we're entertaining your listeners. And like, that's a beautiful thing that we can still do that. And we're not rummaging through the desolate wasteland that is uh, America in the future. So we still got time to enjoy ourselves. So let's play the band while the Titanic goes down. <laughs> that, I'm not gonna lie, that was a perfect way to like end the whole film segment. Like, I, I what you just said, Jake. I really agreed with it. That Great. While we're like, while we're here, just live it out, live your best life, yeah. hug your family, be there with everyone. Yep. 
We had- let's 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 be like um, Timothy Chalamet's character. Even when they're uh, you know making their last dinner forever, he can still yell out emphatically, "I fucking love fingerling potatoes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. but no, I I had a really great time watching this movie. I do highly recommend everyone to go watch it. If you don't want to go out to the theaters and watch it, it's on Netflix starting Christmas Eve, I believe, right? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But when when is Christmas? I'm sorry. Saturday? Saturday? He's no. Jewish, guys. That's why he doesn't know. He's, it's not. Like oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to. No. Don't, don't worry about it. No, certainly not angry. I just don't. Some people get mad at me. No, it's I should know. 25th. <laughs> oh, you were asking the actual date. Yeah. Oh, the 25th. Oh, sorry. Yeah. This does not belong in this podcast. No, <laughs> cut that out. I'm sorry about everything. Wow, oh, this, guys. No, this is great. I love the whole... <laughs> no, people... I love just getting, like, raw takes on people. Everyone just saying what they think and not having to feel like it's scripted or anything like that. So Certainly I love that you guys are just talking. You, that. <laughs> you guys just talked and said whatever you guys thought. You made some jokes towards one another, and I love it. I love hearing the garage door opening in the background. Oh, God. <laughs> love it. All right. Okay. Keep it all in. Anyway, I gotta I gotta run, guys. But um, this was this was fun. Unless there's one last thing you want to ask or anything. Uh, yeah, one last thing. Can you give a quick recommendation to the fans this week? Any movie, show, anything, and then plug anything you got. Uh, okay. Well, I really want to plug our podcast, First Films. Uh, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, it's great for we interview people about their first films, and we're also making our first features, both Nate and I. Um, so that's super important. Go there, subscribe, listen, please. And, um, recommendations. Uh, I'm super into, uh, the gentleman. I just watched it. It's Guy Ritchie film. It's fun. It's quirky. It's great writing, good characters. Uh, and then, uh, I'm going to be doing, um, an immersive play fairly soon in Los Angeles. So I don't know. That'll come up on my, uh, Instagram at Indie Film Insider on instagram thanks awesome thank you jake for coming on thank you and i guess for me uh aside from first films there is one movie that i would like everybody to see that's getting no publicity at all that i saw earlier this year it's called the electrical life of lewis wayne it is uh it's on amazon prime right now it's starring benedict cumberbatch claire foy you know her from the crown um, it's about, it's set in the 1800s in London about an artist who, this is a real life person who got really famous for drawing cats, like cats, you know, playing poker or so like he was, um, very famous for like the London's illustrated times. And he, the movie kind of gives him credit for being the person who popularized the idea in the West of having cats as pets. It's such a beautiful film um, because he was kind of a crazy person um, or just, he had a lot of mental health issues, especially toward the end of his life. His, uh, his art got very strange and very psychedelic looking. And that really was well reflected within the music, within the um, cinematography, uh, within the sound effects, there were VFX that were sort of added in. And Benedict Cumberbatch is absolutely amazing. And there's just a who's who 
of British character actors that are in it. Like, look it up. Even Taika Waititi has a small part in it. I uh, I left and I came back and Nate was still talking about the same thing when I left. Um, it's a great movie. You don't, you don't have to tell them the whole plot, man. You don't have to describe the whole movie. No, That's usually no, why people want to no, go watch a movie. You the fans intrigued. You know, you got to watch it. Usually I'm movies are watch watched. It. Like, you're not just reading what the movie's about. You want to watch it. <laughs> He's on the IMDb page right now, scrolling, reading. But- that's that's all, all I say is like that that movie is being talked about by no one and I just I really loved it. I just want to take a quick second to thank Nate and Jake for coming on my show. It was really an honor to have an Emmy nominated producer on my show. It's crazy to see how far the show has come in just seventeen episodes. So I gotta thank you guys for listening, for my sponsors for promoting me, for Nate, Jake, Charlie Cope, Matt Coyle, Colin Gallagher. Ryan Ferran, Sean Molusky, my dad, everyone that's came on the show for making this even possible. Thank you for giving me a career, and thank you for letting me get into the podcasting world. It really means a lot, and I want to wish everyone here a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I can't wait to see what 2022 holds for all of us. Thank you again, and I will see you all next week.